Hey everyone, thanks for checking out KettleCast, a spot where you can come for discussion with technology consultants who have seen it all. Matt Leathers, our lead consultant here at Kettle, has over 15 years of experience working for some of the leading firms in the world. Today we are here to provide practical ideas based off our wealth of experience across all types of industries while hopefully providing some entertainment and advice. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to pop in and tell you we are pivoting from our last series from the Cannabis Diaries to a broader topic. This series, titled Drive or Be Driven, How to Manage Your Career Like a Consultant and the accompanying blog post can be found on the episode page. Some of this content will be tailored towards those who are specifically looking to strengthen their consulting career, but as we all know, consultants are called in to fix problems, so why not incorporate these practices into your day-to-day no matter what your title is and impress your boss or better your organization. If anything we say sparks your interest, feel free to go to the show page and leave comments and questions. We would love to hear from you. All right, let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to KettleCast. We're back with our second installment in the series, Drive or Be Driven, How to Manage Your Career Like a Consultant. Today's topic is about common mistakes consultants make and how to improve upon or avoid these mistakes. I'm here as usual with Matt, the lead consultant here at Kettle, and I will hand it over to him now. Thanks, Amanda. So I I like what you said uh, in terms of people using this as guidance, not just to drive careers in consulting, but how to manage their own careers, because fundamentally that's what it's about, whether you're in consulting or or not in consulting, using these ideas and these uh, tactics to have a career uh, that is driven by you. Uh, That's kind of what we're going for here. So if you remember the context in terms of common mistakes and and what we've been talking about today, these are in the context of the consulting performance review process. For better or for worse, it is competitive, it is um, certainly a difficult process to go through as a person, but also to lead and and manage people through. Uh, And I've got about 20 years of experience doing that, um, both as as a person who was being assessed and also assessing other people. And I think the the first time I came out of the room where we were conducting the annual reviews at Accenture in um, 2006, 2007, I looked like I had seen um, a a murder. (laughs) The the rest of the team in the seating area where we were working looked at me and, and said, wow, are you okay? Have you seen a ghost? And I, uh, I think the reality is I had seen some people's careers get murdered uh, right there and then in that room. So it was a pretty big wake-up call, and this guidance is based off of the, those experiences and the way I've, I've learned to manage the, the system and use it to the advantage of myself and, and my career counselees. So a lot of the times consultants consultants will refer to their time in dog years and so every year of experience in consulting equals seven years of experience in the industry you can always trust a consultant to make an egotistical comment that builds up their own self-worth at the same time it it minimizes their value and the worth of their clients (laughs) never never uh being been accused of not having an ego as a as a consultant um so that said, and we touched on this last time, the, the turnover for new hires that enter the consulting industry and leave in under 12 months is, is high. It is about 70% uh, 
of the people that join a consulting organization, especially as an experienced hire, will leave in 12 months or a little over that time frame. They usually get through one review cycle and one year of flying around the country or internationally nonstop, um, working nights and weekends, not seeing their friends or their families, and they get tired of it and say enough is enough. Um, so as you are in this space and in this career path in this profession, or not, um, here's some mistakes that I have seen uh, and some solutions and strategies for mitigating and avoiding these mistakes in your career. So the first thing is in consulting, we prioritize the wrong thing. You see this quite a bit, uh, and in the Up or Out podcast, we talked about the, the need to be a value creator, a, a business operator, and a thought leader to be considered in the top 5% in your performance reviews, and the competition is quite fierce. You wanna make sure that you're putting your best foot forward, which means that you need to make sure that you are delivering your core responsibilities and the elements of your job description first and foremost. If you do not have a job description, and if you joined or taken a job without uh, at least some bare bones, one page description of what's expected of you, you need to get one as quickly as possible, um, even if you take an hour or two to write it up. So you and your supervisor can have an understanding of what is expected of you. Otherwise, that is a job that is not a career. So once you have a job description, once you have a set of objectives, you need to understand what the minimum expectations are for average performance. How do I be concerned or be uh, reviewed as fine or okay? Because the very next question um, out of your mouth should be, what can I do to exceed your expectations? How can I earn a one or a two? Or whatever the um, corresponding terminology or languages for top performance in your particular organization or company. If it's a retail store, how do I get promoted to store manager or team lead? Um, if it's a sales team, how do I get promoted to the district leadership or regional leadership levels? If it is an engineering team or a, you know, a uh, architecture or infrastructure team, how do I get promoted to senior levels? How do I go from a associate to um, attorney or to a practice lead? or from uh, an associate or a drafts person to an architect. So women and men in these different f career skills and areas, the names and the titles will vary, but understanding very clearly what is expected of you, what are my top priorities just to be considered functional, and then understanding what is considered above and beyond, what is the criteria for promotion. If it's not clear, you need to get it clear. And that is going to form the basis on of what we talked about last podcast, which was every month taking an hour to two hours to reflect on how you were doing against that criteria. Not necessarily so you can wonder if you're doing a good job or not, but you can manage and drive your career effectively. Again, if, if you don't have those clear expectations and a clear standard for performance and how to grow and how to get promoted, that's a job. That's not a career. And particularly in consulting, if you treat it as a job, you will be counseled out in short order. The second piece and, and the second problem 
um, and common mistake to avoid is uh, leaving problems unclear. One of the biggest things and one of the most important things you can do and what we are trained to do as consultants is to clarify unclear problems. There's actually a question in a number of the evaluation forms at Accenture and Deloitte. Can this person clarify a poorly defined problem? So here are some ways to do that. Could I ask a few clarifying questions? Do you have a template that I could use? Or I found a copy of a template or a previous client deliverable in our playbook. Could you show this to me? Could you make sure that this is the right thing to use? Or do you have an example that I could use? If you don't have a wiki or if you don't have a knowledge base that a lot of the big firms do, Google is perfectly fine. There are a lot of great ideas on Google. So just Google it and then use that as the basis for a conversation to clarify what exactly the person who gave you the instructions or asked for the deliverable or the task to be accomplished, what exactly do they want? What do they consider good or bad? They'll know it when they see it is not particularly helpful. You're going to spend a lot of time guessing and wasting time and money. Think about this in software engineering or software development. So a few years back, I saw a proposal come across for CVS, one of the world's largest companies. They were identifying problems and testing their software to the tune of about 40% of their business requirements were being identified for the first time during testing. It was like the last, really last maybe quarter, if not last, you know, one sixth of the project. That means a lot of rework as well as a lot of frustration and a lot of wasted money. You can argue that the requirements, if they were actually defined or not, I've seen both sides of this story. You can't argue that the core problem was not fully understood or solved in the situation at CVS. Clearly people made assumptions. Clearly people thought they knew what the right answer was and thought they knew what the problem was and went down a path for a period of time before realizing that the desired outcome and what they wanted as a solution was nowhere near being met. So most consultants will dive right into the project or the deliverable. They'll start to create pages and pages of materials or um, collateral, usually cobbled together from different clients and different documents that they can find on knowledge exchanges or SharePoint or Google Drive or the company wiki. As an extra tip, the wikis are garbage. The best content in these organizations lives and breathes on the local hard drive uh, of the people and the teams who don't have time to clean it up. So asking your colleagues on the project team or asking a friend or somebody else in the office for their best stuff and their best content is the fastest way to get content that is actually applicable and relevant and usable. The stuff on the wikis and the internal drives are usually at least six months, if not a year old because nobody actually has the time to publish that content and that information, nor do they typically have the inclination to because it's such a competitive environment. But clarify the desired outcome. Print off the document or prepare an outline or reference a example and say, does this meet your expectations or how can I tailor this or modify this to hit the mark and do what you're asking me to do? 
So finally, uh, the last piece of advice is under-promising and over-delivering. Um, in this cutthroat environment, in cutthroat environments like these, it's difficult to ask for help. Yet, after hours, the same people that you're working with and you're going to be rated against at the end of the year are the same people that are going to be going out to dinner and getting drinks with you in some random town. And you're going to spend a lot of time together on the plane, in the car, or in the hotel bar. Sorry for the language, but only the real assholes will not help a colleague who's struggling. Most of these people are good folks, they are working hard, and the people that are not going to help you and not um, answer questions or give you some reference materials to, to help you along are, are typically the people who are in the office anyways and kissing the partner's butt every time they come to town. Um, they also tend to be the most obviously craven and um, poor performing employees because the very people they're trying to impress tend to get irritated with them. They will overcommit, they will accept a load of outside responsibilities such as proposals or white papers or uh, extra work and they will neglect their core responsibilities and their put their core delivery at risk. Those individuals and those people do not get sucked into that camp. Focus on what you are supposed to be doing on that engagement, on that account, for that project, in those deliverables. Understand it. And before you start asking for more work, show that you can be trusted with the things that you were, you were asked to do when you took the assignment and when you were named to that project. Most of your colleagues are in the same boat. Um, you know, you're all working on a project in Springfield, Illinois together. Everybody's on the same team. And when you're asking for feedback, um, do not accept you're doing fine. That is a brush off. That is not any kind of feedback. That's a, a clear indication that you're headed for the nice big middle of the standard deviation in the annual process. That's also going to mean a 2 to 3% increase. And if you're entitled to a bonus, right in the middle of that number. Um, it's not exciting. It's not setting the world on fire. And that's really not why anybody's in consulting. They're there to try to make partner. So when you are told you're doing fine, that means something has gone wrong. So asking, what can I do to exceed your expectations? How can I get a one or a two? Again, after you have delivered on the, few, the initial things and you have a, a reputation for delivering, start to ask, what can I do to exceed your expectations? If you lead with the very first question is, how can I exceed your expectations? Most leaders and, and team leads will say, well, how about you show me what you can do first? So after you've under-promised and over-delivered a few times, then you can start to broker that question and ask for specifics. So as you do these things, as you adopt these, these ideas, and, and one, making sure that you're prioritizing the right things, prioritizing your core responsibilities, making sure they are clear, making you sure you know what they are. Second, making sure you clarify unclear problems. Help me understand. Could I ask a few clarifying questions? Do you mean this or do you mean that? If you've spent more than an hour or two 
floundering around trying to guess at the answer don't end up like the engineers at CVS months down the line and coming up with something that gets thrown back in your face. After an hour or two, pause and say, okay, I, I've gone as far as I can go and now I'm a little worried that I'm trying to guess. Could you help me? It's much easier to do course correction earlier in the process and after a logical group of time than a long period of time. Then finally, under-promising and over-delivering. When you start, deliver the things that are, ex are expected of you, and after a month or two months of delivering what's expected of you, start to open the conversation with, what can I do to exceed your expectations? What can I do to get a one or a two? And understanding what a one or a two actually means in very clear terms across the categories that we've already discussed. Value creator, business operator, thought leader. Get two or three specific targets and specific goals to hit so you can measure yourself and so your supervisor can measure yourself against, measure you against them over time and as you self-assess every month. And then it becomes very clear, are you growing and are you driving your career or are you just letting things happen to you? Thanks, Matt. I think those are great things to keep in the back of our minds, especially when things might get stressful and we might unintentionally retreat to some of these common mistakes. Um, it's good to have these sort of standards to go back to and reassess. Well, that's it for today. So as always, you can go to our episode page through the show notes and leave questions or comments, and we'll be back with more from this series next time. Thanks.